0: Hey, this is John Jameson. If this is the first time you've joined us on the podcast, thank you and welcome. We really appreciate it. Let us know your aha moments. And while you're at it, we'd like you to leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. The Altcoin Sidekick podcast is available on Apple iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, Podbean and Stitcher. So please leave a review and don't be scared of making it five stars. We'll keep the great content coming to help you on your journey into the cryptocurrency markets. Coin moving higher, breaking $11,000 for the first time since March 2018, Facebook's anticipated entry into cryptocurrency is being touted as the reason for the move. This is John Jameson for altcoinsidekick.com and this week, let's talk about power versus force. Using force to get someone to do what you want is inefficient and most of the time it just doesn't work. The most successful sales professionals know that it's not about persuasion, it's not about cajoling and pushing, it's about allowing the prospect to form their own conclusions. Rookies think selling is all about telling the prospect how good a product is or how much money it will cost. Sales professionals understand the process we all go through before we decide to buy and the process of selling an idea, service or product begins subconsciously as the prospect builds a contrast between where they are right now and what you appear to have or what you appear to be able to give them. The average sales professional sells the F's and B's, the features and benefits, but the highest performers don't. Instead, the highest performers self-feelings, and it's because they know a little secret. Nobody buys a BMW uh, and cares about the miles per gallon. They don't even care that it's rear-wheel drive, instead they care about how it feels to hang the back end out attacking a corner at 70 miles an hour. Amateurs push, 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 but professionals don't. Professional salespeople doubt, 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 because it's all about contrast. Take one of the most successful advertisements ever as an example. Men wanted for hazardous journey, small wages, bitter cold, long and complete months of darkness, constant danger, safe return doubtful, honour and recognition in case of success. Now that's an ad Ernest Shackleton ran to recruit for his expedition to the South Pole. But let's look at this ad again from a psychological perspective. Men wanted for shortcoming, 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 big benefit and big benefit in case of success. Not only does this ad have contrast between the shortcomings and the big benefit, it also has a rhythm. But it doesn't sell the benefits, it sells the glory. It sells what it's going to feel like to be successful. And it does this by building a picture in the mind of the reader. What's all this got to do with cryptocurrencies? Well, the big news this week is that Facebook's white paper giving an overview of its plans to enter into the cryptocurrency ecosphere with Libra, a scalable blockchain capable of running smart contracts and using a stablecoin as the underlying currency. So what strategy will Facebook deploy and how do they intend to make money from Libra? This week, as Bitcoin explodes higher, breaking $11,000, the 95%, the majority, look at a chart and concentrate on the technical indicators, with very few understanding the truth, and the truth is supply and demand. Now, using data from Bitstamp, this week, Bitcoin traded just $200 shy of its 50 betra- 50% retracement from its all-time high, and Bitcoin's only ever traded higher between November 2017 and March 2018. Now, if you use a cryptocurrency screener, especially if you concentrate on the top altcoins, it's green all around. Now, using Bitstamp data, Bitcoin's 50% retracement level is $11,400. Bitcoin hit $11,201 on the 22nd of June, but the week's two best performing altcoins are SolarCoin and NEO. Now, while their weekly performance is better than Bitcoin's, their overall recovery isn't. Neo's 50% level is $105, but it's still trading under 20. SolarCoin's 50% level is $1.36, but it's still trading around five cents. And it's not just Neo and SolarCoin. Ripple's had a good week, up 14%. But if Ripple was matching Bitcoin's recovery, it would be trading at around $1.70. Instead, XRP USD is trading around 50 cents. So, normalizing against Bitcoin's recovery, Cardano should be trading at 71 cents, but it's under 10. Stellar should be around 56 cents, but it's trading for 16. Bitcoin Cash should be over $2,000, but it's $500. Ethereum should be $750, but instead it's 316. Litecoin's doing better, it should be around 200, but instead Litecoin is trading close to $146. Yes, these coins are all going up, but it's apparent that average Joe. Who, who during the frenzy drove prices into December two, 2017 highs, is not yet piling back into the market. And if that assumption is correct, what or who is driving Bitcoin higher? So, is the public moving back in? Where's Average Joe? Now, using data from bitinfocharts.com, the number of Bitcoin active addresses is slightly less than in April 2019. But since then, Bitcoin's price has doubled. Turning to social media for clues, the number of tweets has recently spiked, but Twitter activity is still below where it was in late 2018. And checking Google's trends, uh, although having recently uh, spiked, it's still below the activity seen at the end of November 2018, and back then, Bitcoin was trading in a downtrend for less than $4,000. Now, one of the most powerful skills behind investing in anything is your own experience. Peter Lynch has one of the most successful fund-managing track records ever, popularising the idea that making investment decisions doesn't have to be complicated. So, who is Peter Lynch? Well, Lynch managed the Fidelity Magellan Fund from 1977 until his retirement in 1990, and during this time, he grew the fund from $18 million to over $14 billion, averaging a 29% return for his investors. Now, using the rule of 72, Lynch's yearly average returns of 29% would have doubled your money over four times in 13 years. And that means that if you'd have invested $10,000 with him on the day you started at Magellan, you would have over $280,000 on the day he retired. Now, Lynch's idea is simple, too. So the majority underestimate its effectiveness. And my advice is don't. Lynch believed that the most that most people have advantages that film managers do not, yet they don't even realise it, and Lynch called this local knowledge. It's the field you work in, the area you live, and your observations of the behavioural patterns of the people you know. It's also your own habits and observations as you experience a product as a consumer. Using Lynch's technique, have your family and friends mentioned cryptocurrency? Does anyone you know own Bitcoin? At work, are people talking about Bitcoin or altcoins? And. Are you listening to conversations in coffee shops? Now, the feedback that you're going to get from these observations, think of them like an, a statistical exit poll that, during an election. Compare the current price action and the observations with times when everyone wanted in at any price, like in November and December 2017. Did anyone in your social circle buy cryptocurrency then? And if so, what about now? Are they buying again? Or did they lose money and get frightened off? Let's talk about market forces. Does anything in the news have the potential to expose the public to cryptocurrencies? Well, Facebook is launching a cryptocurrency. Named Libra, Facebook is developing a stablecoin. Now news of Facebook working on its own cryptocurrency isn't new, it's been around for a while, but the release of the white paper is being used as a probable reason for Bitcoin's $2,000 move this week. All traded markets, are discounting mechanisms, pricing in the expected, reacting to the unexpected. It's the reason companies can announce dreadful results and yet rally in price because the results, though terrible, were better than expected. Is the move in Bitcoin factoring in not Facebook's cryptocurrency debut, but the potential of Facebook's entry into the cryptocurrency space? It's not about Libra. It's about legitimacy and what legitimacy infers. It could, for example, soften India's stance on cryptocurrencies. India has a population of over 1.3 billion people, equivalent to over 17% of the world's population. What effect would legalising cryptocurrency in India have on the cryptocurrency market? Well, its exact effect is unknown, but Facebook's entry into cryptocurrency adds a variable that needs to be priced in. But it's often not the news itself, but the implications of the news that has the most effect. One skill, deployed by the 5%, the most successful group of speculators and investors, is the transmutation of new information. Facebook's mission statement on its white paper is this. Libra's mission is to enable a simple global currency and financial infrastructure that empowers billions of people. In the Smart Dust and Big in Japan series of articles, podcasts, and videos, we talked about the unbanked. And in 2019, billions of people have no access to basic financial services, and this is Facebook's target market. In the white paper, Facebook outlines their plans for a decentralized blockchain, low volatility cryptocurrency, and smart contract platform, stating that their aim is to provide a new opportunity for responsible financial services innovation. Now, another word for innovation is disruption. It's one thing to read the shiny white paper with benefit after benefit. But if you take apart the sentences, you might, via transmutation, discover their intended reasons for entering into the cryptocurrency space. And one of those reasons is trust. Facebook found itself in the middle of a data scandal in March 2018 involving a British company, Cambridge Analytica, where millions of users had their data harvested via an app without their permission. This resulted in Facebook being hauled up in front of Congress and a parliamentary uh, committee in in the UK. Now, despite being labelled as digital gangsters by British lawmakers, Facebook was fined the maximum possible amount of only half a million pounds for failing to protect user information. But the thing is, at the time of the scandal, Facebook was making that much in advertising revenue every five and a half minutes. In the U.S., Facebook is facing much harsher penalties. The Federal Trade Commission's private inquiry has cost Facebook $3 billion U.S. billion so far as evidenced by the charge made public on Facebook's first quarter uh, earnings report with estimates that the, uh, it could, the costs could go as high as $5 billion, and that's equal to Facebook's quarterly net profit according to um, recent financial statements. So Facebook is facing multiple investigations from agencies all around the world. In the US, the Securities and Exchange Commission, the FBI and the Northern District of California are also investigating Facebook, targeting executives within the company and asking what they knew about the Cambridge Analytica data breach and, more importantly, when they knew it. Also in the US... The Justice Department and the Eastern District of New York have, according to CNBC, been conducting a criminal investigation of Facebook, and the Department of Housing and Urban Development is also seeking damages for anyone harmed by Facebook's advertising practices relating to housing. The European Union's data protection watchdog has launched multiple investigations into Facebook's privacy uh, and privacy practices, Ireland is also investigating the usage of data from Facebook-owned WhatsApp and Instagram. Authorities in Belgium are are also scrutinising how Facebook tracks users via cookies, pixels and social plug-in apps. And Germany's federal cartel office is investigating Facebook's uh, overstepping of the GDPR rules that came into force in May 2018. So multiple investigations into the company and its executives, the labeling of the company as digital gangsters by British lawmakers and the prospect of record-breaking fines have made little impact on the share price and user engagement figures. Despite the negative headlines accusing Facebook of harvesting their users' data, the public just doesn't seem to care, but the authorities most certainly do. Reading the headlines, and skimming through the articles, it would be easy to come to the conclusion that Facebook had directly stolen their users' data, but this is not the case. In 2014, a Cambridge University lab assistant, Alexander Kogan, developed a personality quiz app for Facebook. Now, around 270,000 people installed that app, And at the time, it was possible for any Facebook developer to gain access to the app installer's data and also the data of that app installer's friends. But when Kogan's app asked for this data, the app saved the information to a private database instead of immediately deleting it. So Kogan later provided this, this private database containing millions of Facebook users' um, information to Cambridge Analytica who used it to create psychographic profiles which are alleged to have influenced the British Brexit referendum and even the uh, US election in 2016. So Facebook, who since their inception have metamorphosized from providing simple tools and allowing the sharing of information into a major news outlet where Facebook's machine learning engine is learning from your engagement, serving stories targeted to your history, evolving and giving you more of what you want. Well, Facebook is a business and using its advertising platform in ways to effectively monetize its uh, user base engagement, but as highlighted by the 2018 data scandal issues like security, the psychological effects on users and even surveillance have now been raised by the authorities. And the bottom line is this, The more accurately Facebook can predict what you want, the more time you spend on the platform and the more time you spend on the platform, the more money Facebook will make. So, in an environment of less trust in Facebook by the authorities, Facebook implementing a Byzantine fault-tolerant blockchain-based system begins to make sense. In the Problem-Reaction-Solution series of articles, podcasts and videos, we discussed the process of change not change using force, but instead change using stealth. Tech giants have all but used up all of the low-cost and easy methods of monetizing their businesses. Amazon and Google are using smart devices to build their perfect you, and with 5G on the way, the bandwidth will soon be available for them to upscale their efforts. First, find the problem, then engineer a reaction, and finally provide a solution. Facebook's new Libra platform provides a solution to a problem, and that problem is the unbanked. Facebook is developing a global currency, Libra, that will operate inside a decentralized blockchain, centrally controlled by them, not quite the libertarian ideology of early Bitcoin adopters. With Facebook's user engagement at over 2.3 billion people, 30% of the entire global population will be exposed to the Wild West of asset classes, and that is cryptocurrencies. Facebook's user engagement in 2019 shows it's still trusted by the masses in spite of the 2018 data scandal. The development of a byzantine tolerance system will go a long way to show the authorities that Facebook is not being laissez-faire over the current investigations hanging over the company showing it's being proactive, developing an infrastructure where, if used for data storage, could be, it would be impossible to spawn data sets without Facebook's knowledge. At the same time, Libra will provide a solution to the billions who are, in our know-your-customer and anti-money laundering world, locked out of the banking system and of finance. And solving this problem, Libra will provide a boost to the number of users inside Facebook's own ecosphere. So Libra, the currency, will run on a secure, scalable and reliable blockchain. The stablecoin will allow billions to access to an asset that will be redeemable on a one-on-one basis for hard currency. And today, even the value of US dollars is entirely based on trust. Now, Facebook will back Libra with a reserve of assets in the form of bank deposits and government securities. And these are designed to give the Libra currency intrinsic value. So Facebook's Libra cryptocurrency has three parts. The first is a currency running on a stable and secure fault-tolerant blockchain. The second is the asset backing of the currency itself in the form of bank deposits and government bonds. But it's the third part that goes against the original ideology of early cryptocurrency users. But this third part also has the potential to give the cryptocurrency space the legitimacy and mass public exposure it needs. And that's great news. The question is... Does it come at a cost? Facebook choosing Switzerland, the bastion of global banking, as the location for what Facebook calls the Association, a not-for-profit organisation which is going to be tasked with the governance of the Libra ecosphere. The Association will oversee the operations of the Libra blockchain, the coordination and the agreement between... The Libra stakeholders, that's the network's validator nodes, and the promotion and expansion of the network itself, including the management of the asset reserves. The association will be managed by the Libra Association Council. The founding members, uh, as stated on the white paper, will be made up of businesses including companies like Visa, MasterCard, PayPal, eBay, Spotify, Uber, and Vodafone, as well as non-profit and multilateral organizations and academic institutions. Backed by leading venture capital firms, it's estimated that Facebook will raise around a billion US dollars from the initial founding members. By announcing Libra now, and by bringing in the global stalwarts of the payment system, like Visa and Mastercard, along with trusted brands like eBay, Spotify and Vodafone, Facebook is, by its sheer size and market reach, saying, we are here, we are ready, and we are backed by the names that you know and trust This means that any mistakes by other stablecoin issuers will have the public looking to Facebook to provide a better solution. By solving a problem, by holding out a helping hand to those outside of the system, Facebook gets access to billions of new customers. Now, using transmutation on your research findings, you'll discover India is the country with the highest number of Facebook users, with approximately 300 million in using data from the World Bank, you'll also discover that India has the second highest percentage of unbanked citizens in the world, with 11% having no access to financial services. Facebook, by forming the association and bringing in globally trusted brands, may also soften the Indian Central Bank's stance on cryptocurrencies. The highest distribution of Facebook users by age group is between 18 and 34. 68% of Americans use Facebook and 74% of global users engage with Facebook at least once a day. 43% of global users use Facebook as their primary source of news and 96% of all users interact with the platform on a mobile device. Is this the beginning of the velvet revolution in cryptocurrencies? Change not through force but through power using the soft touch of the familiar. This is John Jameson for altcoinshighkick.com and I'll see you next time. This is John Jameson. We hope you've enjoyed this podcast and you've got a lot out of it. Don't forget to rate us on Apple iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, Podbean, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast platform. Your review will help spread the word and allow us to create more thought-provoking content for you, covering all things crypto, not just the individual coins and tokens, but the societal trends and motivations behind the rollout of blockchain technology. The internet is being re-engineered, and not one in 100,000 realizes it's happening. Welcome to the revolution.